It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey guys, this is Jay Foster of Locked On Blue Jackets. Welcome to Locked On Presents. We are doing a special roundtable for Pride Month, uh, talking about what it's like to be LGBT and work in hockey, or be a hockey fan, or just generally exist in this world as a queer person. I am joined today by Sarah Avampato of Locked On LA Kings, Robbie Leano of Locked On Arizona Coyotes, and Rachel Donner, who is one half of Locked On Philadelphia Flyers. This first part of our two-part roundtable is mostly about uh, our experiences with Pride Night, with Hockey is for Everyone, and things like that, so I will uh, I will get right into it. So with it being Pride Month, uh, there is not a ton of uh, LGTB representation in sports in general, but I feel like especially in hockey, it's a very uh, cisgender, heterosexual sport in, like, in total. So uh, I thought it might be fun if we kind of had some of the uh, LGTB hosts here at the Lockdown Podcast Network to kind of get together, have a little chat about, you know, our experiences working in the sport, if we've had, you know, any uh, issues, anything like anything more positive, uh, things like that. So I figured we'd just kind of go around, uh, say, you know, proper like embarrassing icebreaker stuff. Like this is, you know, name, what show you do, pronouns, two truths and a lie. Uh, not the last one, but <laughs> um, so I'm, you know, uh, Jay Foster, I my pronouns are he, him. Uh, I do Locked on Blue Jackets. And as far as I'm aware, I am the only uh, British host on the Locked on Podcast Network, which is exciting for me, I guess, and probably not very exciting for anyone else. Uh, but if we just kind of go in order of who's who's kind of on my little, my little Zoom window, uh, Robbie, why don't you go? Hi, yeah, so uh, I'm Robbie Leonio. I'm the host of Locked On Coyotes. My pronouns are they, she, and uh, I'm. Oh, well, I, uh, I, I, I grew up in a. Uh, I well, I grew up in California, and I've, I mean, I've, I've been doing sports media. I'll just say sports media for I don't know 10, 10 years now. It's been a long time. Uh, Sarah, you're up. Uh, I am Sarah Avampato, host of Locked On Kings, and also two fifths of Locked On NHL. 
my pronouns are she, her, they, if you're feeling spicy. Uh, and uh, I don't remember what the other question was. <laughs> I think, I think you mostly got it. You got it. Okay, sweet, sweet, um, sweet. So yeah, we'll just, we'll finish up with Rachel and then we'll, we'll get into it. I am Rachel Donner. I am half of the Locked On Flyers podcast, and I go by she, her, but will also accept they, and uh, been a Flyers fan my entire life, which I don't know, could be a good or a bad thing, I guess. Yeah, I feel like I got into hockey pretty, pretty late, but um, it very, very quickly became like, oh, okay, this is this is my personality now, which seems kind of really at odds with the other half of my personality, which is just kind of exceedingly queer in every every kind of way. So um, it feels uh, people are always kind of surprised, I think, when when I say, oh, you know, like, oh, I, I play hockey, I work in hockey, but I also, um, you know, pretty inescapably uh gay i guess um and trans and you know i i do a lot of that side of things and so it's it's always really surprising to me how well the two sides seem to mesh and i don't know if if anyone else has kind of had that that experience i think so i am also a hockey player uh although i did uh I, i knew how to basic ice skate as a child but I actually put on hockey skates and learned how to play at the ripe old age of 37 and uh, became involved in a women's hockey league. And then I currently am actually a board member of the New York City Gay Hockey Association. And so we are a queer hockey organization designed specifically to welcome queer people into the hockey playing and the adult rec hockey playing community we have a developmental league which has five teams as well as we sponsor teams in the higher division leagues at Chelsea Piers in Manhattan and so we are we hold uh you know big event tournaments every year and and participate in gay hockey tournaments across the country and have sent teams to the gay games and all of that so I'm pretty well entrenched in the queer hockey landscape I would say I feel like I came to hockey also a little bit late as an adult like I was a fan as a kid and then you know you go off to college and suddenly it's like oh sports aren't for girls so you know I kind of went away from hockey for a while except for you know texts from my mom being like did you hear about that Sidney Crosby boy he sure is nice uh, and so, you know, it wasn't until, you know, kind of as a real adult on my own, uh, kind of got back into hockey, living in Chicago was sort of inescapable after a certain point. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that the interesting thing for me is, you know, coming into hockey in that, in that way, I also learned to skate as an adult, uh, and joined a women's league and a, you know, very terrible beer league and, and all that. And, you know, it's the most fun I've ever had being bad at something, but I learned to play because I was like, well, if I'm going to cover this sport, I should maybe kind of know what I'm talking about a little more. So I did that. But uh, the the way I kind of backed into coming into hockey meant that it was like a lot of my friend group was already also into hockey. And a lot of my friend group is also a lot of, uh, a lot of queer people. And so I kind of already had like that community of people who were you know, not your typical sports bro. Uh, and so sometimes leaving that bubble and going out into the rest of the wide world of hockey um, is like, oh, that's right. That's right. It's not all cool people. 
Yeah, I I forget a lot. I think again because Sarah, so Sarah and I knew each other before <laughs> we started doing the the podcast, um, or podcasts, uh, and um, we kind of come from that same circle of yeah, it is a lot of a lot of you know LGBT, a lot of queer folk, and so when you kind of go from being a fan to kind of working in the sport, suddenly you're like, oh okay, I have to interact with all these people who are not from that specific you know like subset of a fan that like thinks that queer people should have basic human rights you know so it's it was a weird kind of like yeah like it was a really kind of backwards backwards way into it I think because I hockey was always a very kind of queer space for me even before like I found like a specific queer community just because of that like intersection of my friends being queer and my friends being into hockey so it kind of surprised me when I got into like wider world hockey and was like okay cool maybe I'm not as welcome here as I thought but I do also think that I've been incredibly lucky in that people seem to have kind of um been receptive to kind of the the stuff I talk about and you know I know that most of the time I am just kind of some guy yelling on Twitter like old man yells at clouds about things but I do feel like it's kind of the there is a kind of a place for for that in hockey I think it's interesting because when we talk about hockey as a monolith we tend to default as we do as hosts of NHL related shows to men's hockey whereas I think you know the women's hockey community is a completely different animal and in competitive and college hockey in the pro and Olympic level hockey world, queerness is a much more visible thing. And I think that when you are used to that, and you know, I have been involved in women's pro hockey in the past as well. And, And so when you when you come from that world and then jump back into the world of the NHL and realize how vastly different it is and how vastly different things are received in the NHL from what you experience in women's hockey to some degree. I'm not saying women's hockey is perfect. I'm just saying it's more visible and it, it is markedly different and you find that you have to, start from a completely different baseline of experience and knowledge yeah it's it, it is interesting with like because I so before I transitioned I played uh women's hockey and men's hockey and then when I came out I was like right well I can't I can't do women's hockey anymore so I, I stuck with with just the men's team and it is like it is crazy how different the the two teams were like my my men's team is great like when I came out they were all like oh I tell the story all the time because it just it really makes me laugh. So when I came out, I was like, you know, if if there's going to be an issue in the locker room or whatever, then let me know. I don't want it to be like awkward or anything. Um, and there was a bunch of comments of like, oh, the weirdest thing about you is that you're a goalie. Or um, my personal favorite was that I need to still make sure that I shot my five hole regardless of how I identify, you know. So it like they were really great, but it is so different playing men's hockey versus playing women's hockey where you know we've got I think there was like three straight women on the entire team it, it's just it is a very kind of exceedingly gay 
uh, sport, even as far as like women's sports in general go, I feel like hockey is, is very, very, uh, very gay, which is, which is great, but I do feel like it's, it is kind of like a, um, a culture shock when you, when you flip from one to the other. And it's interesting because, because that's something I, I, I didn't see until later on for me. Cause I, I'm, you know, growing up in a completely, you know, male dominated environment. And, you know, I, you know, grew up around the national hockey league, grew up, you know, in you know, watching, you know, I, I, I like a, you know, men's high school hockey, men's college hockey. I did see, seeing all that. And then, you know, seeing the completely other side, it was, it was like, Whoa, this is different. Yeah, the, uh, the women's team I used to play for had a specific section in their like rules and bylaws about dating teammates, which is certainly not a thing that uh, ever came up in the co-ed beer league that I played in or any other like organized hockey I'd ever done. But the women's league right there was a whole section on basically like be a grown up if you're going to date a teammate teammate. And if it goes bad, like you still got to play together. Um, and I, I was like, oh, yeah, like this is totally different from you know, any other part of hockey. I can't imagine a men's team, you know, thinking, oh, we need to put that in there. Just wouldn't happen. No, like, I, I don't think it would, it would like occur to them, mm-hmm. really. Like, because that's the thing, again, like I, I'm the only, obviously the only trans guy on the team. I'm 98% sure I'm the only non-straight guy on the team. And it doesn't really seem to occur to them that like, I think they just kind of see me as, oh, okay, that's that's just Jay. That's just the goalie. I don't think, like, they have that kind of, like, awareness of me outside of the rink as much, which is which, which sounds really weird, but it feels very much like, okay, well, hockey is this very, like, sexless sport in a way, which sounds like a, it's a really weird way to put it, but it's very much like, like, that's how, that's how kind of my experiences have gone. It's been, well, we don't care if you're, you know, gay or straight or, you know, trans or cis or, you know, whatever, can you play hockey? Then you can play hockey and that's fine. But sometimes it does get a bit kind of um, exhausting when people constantly just like assume, oh, okay, like, you're a guy so you must be straight and like I don't know um if that's something anyone else here has dealt with but that kind of you can only be one kind of queer in in like sports is something that I've kind of been found people seem to be surprised when I'm like oh yeah no I'm I'm trans and I'm also like bi Let's pivot to something that I kind of specifically wanted to talk about, and then uh, Rachel in the in the group chat brought it up as well. And this idea of like Pride nights, and you know, are you know, should we do them? Are they worth it? Like, are they having any kind of impact at all? Um, and like, my my short answer is no. But I want to bring up like so over here in the UK, we had a professional player come out as bi in January of 2020. I think it was the the morning of the Pride game that that the the team was planning to play, the Manchester Storm. Every team in the league had a 
um, had a pride game. They all had the rainbow jerseys. You can see the the game worn one that I've got hanging up behind me. Um, it was really, really cool. And then Zach coming out kind of added to that. And that I think, not that I think, you know, coming out should kind of punctuate any kind of you can play or pride event or anything, but like that hit something for me when I kind of like, I went to the game and I saw every single person in that arena was wearing rainbows or like when they announced him at the start of the game, he got standing ovation. And this is like, like, I love, I love Zach. Zach is great. Zach is a second pairing defenseman on most teams. You know, he's not, and I think he'd, he'd say that as well. You know, he's not the star player. He's not, you know, the MVP ever, but that night, every single person treated him like he was, like he was an all-star and it was really great. And it was the first time I'd gone to a hockey game and felt like, oh, okay, I, I belong here. And I've been to Pride Nights in, in, um, in the United States. I've been to one at Nationwide Arena with the Blue Jackets and it was basically the most, like, it was the most heterosexual Pride event I've ever been to. Um, which I think is a real problem that like sports have to deal with in general and also like the NHL specifically. Um, and so I personally, I think the NHL has got a, a long, long way to go, even for like pride nights to become a, a thing that can enact like real change. But like, have you guys done pride nights for, you know, NHL, AHL, uh, college hockey like what's been your experience with with pride nights specifically with with hockey um so i have a couple that i think sort of stand out for me and one is uh, so i also cover the chicago wolves uh, the ahl team here and uh they did i think it might have been actually their first pride night uh this past season and it was kind of spearheaded by a couple of employees they have who are uh who are gay and they made the whole thing happen. And uh, they, they are, the Wolves are an organization where, um, you know, they still do the stupid thing when they're doing the kiss cam that they show two guys from the opposite team. And, you know, all of us up there in the press box are just like, why are you doing this? This is terrible. But so, so to see an organization like that, where like there, there is still that, that, you know, opinion there that, you know, this is funny. Uh, thing to see them uh, everyone buy in and everyone support their employees who are out and who are wanting to make this happen I thought was was really neat because they had they hadn't done it before uh and it was neat to uh, I know a couple of the employees there who were who were behind it and to just kind of talk with them about you know what it meant for them to see you know the guys with pride jerseys and the guys with pride tape and you know it does it move the needle for like the grand world? I, I, I don't know, but it meant something to those people who saw their team embrace them for who they are and, you know, bring it out there uh, in the open. Um, and the other one that kind of stands out to me is kind of when the league first started doing like kind of coordinated pride nights and all, and all that. Um, I happened to go out to Raleigh, North Carolina and go to a hurricanes game with a friend who lived there. And it was the Hurricanes' first Pride Night, which was, again, like you said, the most heterosexual Pride Night I've ever been to. But everyone on the ground there, like they had people from like the local colleges, from, you know, different LGBT organizations and stuff. And all of them were saying that this is huge for Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, sure, the like person who like, you know, ran the siren at the beginning of the game and who was the, you know, 
it was basically like the ally of the game essentially like here's a straight person with like a gay kid like aren't they great uh and so uh, on that respect you're just like oh you're so close but you're not you're not quite there but everyone local was like we could not have imagined this happening even a couple of years ago and so for the people there to see their team slowly start to work to you know be more open uh, was really huge and now we'd see that the hurricanes are one of the teams that you know is like like calling people out on social media when they say stupid stuff on people's pride posts and stuff and and the hurricanes i think have really evolved as a organization to to really embrace that and not you know i'm sure if you go to their next pride night they're like you know fan of the game is not going to be a person with a gay kid like they actually have roots in the queer community now and not, they, they have done the groundwork to make that pride night actually meaningful uh which i think is really neat again for an area of the country that uh you know it's not it's not like la the kings do pride nights and it's just like it's kind of every other game you know it, it's not it's not too much different because i can go to any king's game in la and see couples who aren't straight and have that be normal um i can't say the same for going to hurricanes games does it does it bother you that they still partner with organizations that have been, you know, notably mm-hmm. homophobic, transphobic yeah. in the past, and yet they still kind mm-hmm. of because that's something that I get stuck on in terms of like, yeah. especially with the with the Hurricanes, and I think there's nine other teams in in the league that that partner with with this organization, and that I think Flyers are one is, of them. Coyotes yes. are another. <laughs> <laughs> go <laughs> so so that's something that like that is always there's really kind of since I've been made aware of that has kind of stuck with me about you know okay but this this team that is calling people out on Twitter mm-hmm. calling people out for for being um homophobic or like saying no one cares on on pride posts and stuff and then they turn around and they are actively promoting this organization that gives a ton of money to you know conversion therapy mm-hmm. camps and and things like that and so it kind of it touches a little bit on something something else that Rachel mentioned in the in the chat beforehand which is does that you know does that make it worthless is it just rainbow capitalism you know is it just pinkwashing this issue and being like well okay maybe we we partner with this organization but hey look we we gave we we you know we we put a rainbow overlay on our logo. Look how look what al- look what good allies we are. You know it, it feels very kind of um, talk the talk without walking the walk type thing. I think that there's a couple of things going on here. Part of which is the traditional organization of sports organizations as a business, and that sponsorship is siloed from social media in a lot of ways. And so other than fulfilling sponsorships through their social media and and branding, right? So I think that there is a lot of work to be done in terms of teams and leagues looking at these sorts of issues holistically and seeing how the different pieces and parts affect each other. I do think that the trajectory of that approach is getting better. It's not there yet. I, I can see from the flyers, particularly that while yes, they are one of those organizations that still is sponsored by this organization that is very anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ 
overall, you know, from them being pretty much a cookie cutter NHL hockey is for everyone pride night branded organization this past year, I think they took a bit of a step forward in how they executed their pride night overall in terms of involving more community-based organizations and having the representatives there be connected to the community and, and highlighting them as opposed to making it more generic. Um, And I can say that my, one of my uh, co-board members from the New York gay hockey organization um, just so happens that two of the five of us are Flyers fans, even though we live in New York. And uh, he was featured in their Pride Night video, which they have since reposted for Pride Month. And so I think they're getting better. And of course, Gritty is super, super Pride mascot <laughs> out there. I do, I do like Gritty's, Gritty's rainbow belly button for, for the season. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, you know, they're they're getting better in terms of the branding of it and having it be more meaningful uh, but again, I feel like there's just this siloed approach with marketing that isn't quite there yet and hasn't connected those dots. And I think that's something we sh- should be looking out for. Yeah, it's it's it is tough because I do understand, you know, that you know, it's a business, and I understand that this this company has since kind of gotten a lot quieter about where they send their money. And they're a lot quieter about how they don't kind of do this anymore. But if you look at the numbers, then they do. And it is like it, it does very much just feel like they are for some teams, you know, and I, again, I do think the Flyers do an especially good job with, with pride. Um, I think that Carolina does a, a pretty good job. Um, New Jersey as well is, is another one that I think does a, does a pretty good job. Cause I feel like they're, is it their, dip, their head of, marketing is is openly gay or there's there's someone quite high up in like pr i think for the for the devils yes. that's, that's gay it, it's um, in pr and i would say again just living in the new york city area i think the devils are the lead organization on that front uh in this metro area in terms of community involvement and their pride nights i was on a panel for the new jersey devils talking about uh, being queer in the hockey world. And uh, I know that I've had the opportunity to play in a game on NHL ice uh, for the Devils and the Rangers and the Islanders in their support of Pride re- night or Pride related activities. So I- I've been very lucky and and have benefited from teams doing outreach into the community here. Yeah, and I think that that just makes it more kind of frustrating, I think, because because like Sarah said, you know, they're so close. And it looks like they really, like some organizations especially, are really starting to get it. But other organizations, I feel like, and I'm going to call the Blue Jackets out here because I've been mad about it for like eight days now. They have yet to acknowledge that it's Pride Month. You know, and I know other teams have not necessarily acknowledge this either but our ahl team has they put out a thing on june 1st being like you know again it was very kind of white bread like love is love everyone matters you know like we skate for everyone type thing but it had a rainbow logo on it and that's that's kind of that's about what i expect from 
from a hockey team at this point. Um, but Blue Jackets, nothing. They have not acknowledged it. And it's just getting increasingly frustrating. As a queer person who was a fan before I started, you know, covering the team, as a fan who has been to Pride Nights there, it does very much feel like they just, they kind of phone it in. And it's kind of been really exacerbated by um, our You Can Play ambassador, Seth Jones, who I don't feel like we need to get into kind of all the, the ins and outs of his political leanings and whatnot, but... He talks a lot on You Can Play Night and Hockey is for Everyone Night about, you know, black kids getting to play hockey and youth hockey and hockey for, you know, underfunded areas. And I think all of that is super important. But I also feel like it's one part of the um, the umbrella of like minorities in hockey. And it, I don't know, it always stings a bit to me when this stuff is all paraded under a rainbow logo under the guise of hockey's for everyone. Um, I don't know off the top of my head who the Hockey's for Everyone ambassadors are for, for LA or Arizona, but I believe it's James Van Riemsdyk for Philadelphia, yes. right? And he seems really kind of, him and uh, his brother seem really kind of on top of kind of gay rights in hockey. I would, I would say so. I think that to my knowledge, no player from the Flyers has ever marched in a pride parade, for instance, uh, in Philadelphia, but Gritty has participated. So I, I think it's partially because the summer is everybody's gone their separate ways to a large degree and people go to their cottages in Canada or back to Europe or whatnot. But I, I think that taking that extra step of being more visible within the community and not just speaking out from, from the, you know, from the team or from the arena, which is important in and of itself, but actually having players interact more in the community. And there are a lot of players around the NHL that, that are pretty active. Braden Holpe is one of them. And I think doing more of that sort of thing would be useful and, show a lot from teams yeah yeah the, the, the king's ambassadors usually been dustin brown uh over the past handful of years which you know i feel like dustin brown like i, I he's fine um I, I think that he has he, he hasn't ever like you know come out and been like let's talk about being gay you know but he uh, has at least been like, yeah, like I, I'm cool with anyone, like at least in the most like broy Dustin Brown way possible. And I think that anyone who has ever heard Dustin Brown talk about anything knows he's not going to be, if you ask him to talk about like LGBT inclusion in hockey, he's not going to be particularly eloquent about it, but you know, you at least get the picture that he, uh, actually believes in it and isn't just like shoehorned into this role. Um, but I do look forward to a day where maybe um, Jared Anderson Dolan gets to to do some stuff uh, with, with with the team for that, um, because uh, for anyone who doesn't follow King's prospects, which I think is probably most people listening to the show, um, Jared Anderson Dolan uh, has he, his mom. He has two moms. Uh, and it was speculated that that was the reason why he dropped in the draft, that teams didn't want to draft him because of that, which is BS and the King's scouting staff were like, this is BS. Like this kid is a great hockey player. He has a great family. Like anyone who doesn't draft him is stupid. Uh, and he was really instrumental in doing pride nights in his WHL team. And I think like 
you know, once he gets more comfortable in the NHL, this was sort of his first season, but I think that he will be a really great person to step into that role if he wants to. Um, but otherwise, until then, we have Dustin Brown, who will just be like, cool, guys, <laughs> which it's Dustin Brown, you know, he hasn't like actively said a slur on the ice, right. though, yes. which is more than yes. can be said for for some uh, hockey's for everyone uh, ambassadors. So um <laughs> Although to, to be fair, to be fair to Andrew Shaw and like Sarah and I have talked about this a little bit, I think he did genuinely seem apologetic and like he hadn't considered like the ramifications of, of saying that kind of stuff on the ice, uh, which I feel like is a whole, a whole other issue that will take more than a couple of pride nights to fix, you know, slurs getting thrown around because they just, that's how they think. But he, I remember went and sought out the only openly gay Blackhawks beat reporter afterwards and apologized to him and said, you know, he's not going to do it again. To my knowledge, he hasn't done it again. Um, but it is it is frustrating to have that happen. And then you turn around and that guy is, you know, a, a hockey is for everyone ambassador, like, like a season later, I think. Um, and then they had, you know, I think I believe Max Domi was the hockey is for everyone ambassador. And, you know, his father is his father. Um, Scott Hartnell was the Blue Jackets. Hockey's for Everyone ambassador. He was, you know, upsettingly uh, pro-Trump for a Canadian. But, you know, and it just, it feels very much like when they say hockey is for everyone, um, and this is something I've kind of been thinking about for a while, it is it is all lives matter, but dressed up for hockey. You know, it, it's very much like it, we should be saying hockey is for hockey is for gay people or hockey is for LGBT, LGTB people. Um, but it's very much hockey is for everyone, including the heterosexuals. And that's the that is the biggest kind of thing I get from NHL Pride Night versus um, the one I went to in Manchester, which was very much we support gay players we support gay fans you know and um so that was part one of our roundtable of lgbt sports media people make sure you tune in next week and you will hear a little bit more about all those things and a little bit more about our own personal paths in sports media and the challenges that we face being queer in today's society Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.